6, beginning in verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I will add this morning, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. As this series draws to a close, we come to the last verse of our text, Matthew 6:13, which says, "And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one." Over the last several weeks, when we have prayed our Father in heaven, we acknowledge him as our source. When we say, Hallowed be thy name, we acknowledge him as the Holy One. When we say, Thy kingdom come, we acknowledge him as sovereign. When we say, Thy will be done, we acknowledge him as superior. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, we acknowledge him, we seek him as our supplier. When we say, forgive us our sins, we look to him as our savior. And finally, we come to this last of the petitions and when we say, lead us not into temptation, we acknowledge him as our shelter. Temptation. We experience it frequently in our day-to-day -day lives, don't we? The great preacher Billy Sunday said, Temptation is the devil looking through the keyhole, yielding as opening the door, inviting him in. What should we be praying about for ourselves and for each other? Materially, we need bread. Give us our daily bread. Spiritually, we need forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Morally, we need protection. Praying for moral protection is every bit as important as praying for physical protection and provision. I said... Praying for moral protection is every bit as important as praying for physical protection and provision. 
We pray that people might not be ill, that they might not contract some disease, that they might not have to go through a surgery, etc., etc. And certainly, we can bring those things before the Lord. But here we find Jesus teaching us to pray into the future with regard to where our lives are going that could become potentially a disaster. Ruinous. And that's not necessarily related to illness or disease or tragedy. Because very often those are the most spiritually strengthening things that happen in anyone's life. Isn't it true? But many times it is clearly related to the choices that we make. Choices to yield to temptation, to testing. You see, what we also importantly need to pray about has to do with our moral direction and our decision-making. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus tells us to pray to the Father, to not lead us into temptation. However, we know that God will not tempt us to sin. I want you to get this this morning. James 1.13 is a wonderful verse that explains this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It is not in God's holy nature. We say that God is good. We say that God is holy. We say that God is pure. It is not in his nature to tempt us to sin. Be clear about that. Instead, his desire and his plan for our lives is to make us holy as he is holy. Look at 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 14. As obedient children, say obedient. obedient. How obedient were your kids, adults, when you raised them? <laughs> As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. We've talked about the transformation of the believer from a life that had an earthly, selfish, self-centered approach to a life that had a heavenly, holy, righteous approach. It's the transition, it's the transformation that happens in our lives. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but... Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. That might be why it struck me this morning when we sang that lyric. In all I do, I honor you. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. The Christian lives a lifestyle of holiness. 
of righteousness. A Christian is empowered to make decisions, righteous decisions. God's word tells us repeatedly to seek righteousness. Remember that verse we talked about? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Another great teaching of Jesus regarding prayer. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our prayer to God to lead us not into temptation is a plea for God to protect us. Say protect us. To guide us around situations and circumstances that may lure us into ungodly action. God will certainly never author temptation to sin, but clearly he does allow it. Even though we know that God is faithful to provide a way out of temptation if we will take it. Another great insight into this subject is 1 Corinthians 10.13. You know this verse. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure temptation. Our prayer is often for him to keep us from it altogether. <laughs> But there are certain places, certain people, and certain circumstances that, that are dangerous to us in terms of interrupting, rerouting, detouring our walk and our desire to honor God. We ask God to help us stay clear and to set our eyes on Him so that we will not be tempted to stray. This is a prayer for Jesus to be our guard. For us to have the strength to resist temptation. For the power to repel the enemy, Satan. I want us to think about this verse instead of in two segments as a single thought. Instead of, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, I want us to think of that as a single idea or a single thought. Here is God's heart. Not that we would yield to temptation, but that by his power, he will deliver us from the plan that the enemy has for our lives. That's the thought here, a single thought. Amen? You with me? Am I okay, Steve? God wants to plant in our lives the power to walk a godly life. In all I do, I honor you. In all I do, 
I, uh, God wants to put in your life the things to enable you, to empower you to walk in godliness. He doesn't just save you and leave you out there hanging. Huh? No. A verse I want to look into this morning is a very familiar and powerful verse, set of verses from Ephesians chapter 6. Look with me. Beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Wow, how many of us don't want that? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may stand against the devil's schemes. Let me stop here a second. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about when he teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's going to give us the power in our life to not have to yield to the, to the schemes of the enemy. The scheme of the enemy, listen, the scheme of the enemy is for you to fail. Is for you to fail in your walk toward righteousness. For you to fail in your path toward heaven. For you to fail in your witness to others around you. The enemy wants you to fail. God wants you to win. So that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. And don't be fooled, friend. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What a powerful verse of scripture. Friends, be sure you understand the context of the battle that we are fighting as believers. We are fighting a battle against the ruler of this earth, the ruler of the powers of the air, and that is the enemy, Satan. And his desire for, his desire for your life is for you to fail. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, which by the way it will, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done all this, to stand. These are powerful verses in our learning about how we are tempted and tested and our struggle against the plans that Satan has for our lives. Note that there is strength built in here. Say strength. That really is what we are praying for. Just as you can become physically weak from illness, you can become spiritually and morally weak. How many of you have felt weak physically recently? <laughs> Steve raises his hand. 
Yeah. I want you to think for a moment about spiritual weakness. I want you to consider for a moment morality weakness. The inability to stand. The inability to resist when temptation and testing comes. We have all seen what happens when moral failure occurs. When temptation is not resisted. And sinful behavior is the result. Careers are lost. Families, marriages are destroyed. Broken lives are the debris that is left behind. We have all seen very publicly what happens when moral failure happens in the context of ministry. So listen, so praying to God for moral strength and moral protection is always appropriate. Huh? For yourself, for others, for those you love and care about, for those that are in leadership. Praying to God for moral protection is always appropriate. Now this passage in Ephesians gives some practical application here in the form of the armor that we clothe ourselves with in preparing for this spiritual war, this moral war. I don't know if you've seen a contemporary soldier recently. It's pretty interesting how a contemporary army infantryman clothes himself. A little, little different than in past years. <laughs> I have a friend who is a Civil War reenactor. And he wears the uniform of General Meade's Union Army. There is not only no protection there, but there is no camouflage. <laughs> because they wanted to be able to see the difference between blue and gray. Right? I, I tried his coat on one time years ago. The coats, you know, the, the double-breasted buttons the whole way down kind of thing, they were torture on a summer day. <laughs> there was nothing protective. It was a beautiful painting in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania called the Cyclorama. It's a painting of Pickett's Charge. And in that painting, you see soldiers in long lines marching toward the enemy lines. No protection. God wants to put in your life an infantryman outfit that protects you for the spiritual battle. First, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. The belt of truth. What truth? The Word of God. The first step in arming yourself 
for the spiritual battle is putting the Word of God in effect in your life. Arming yourself with the Word of God is the most powerful of protections against yielding to the sinful plans that the enemy has for your life. Because he's a liar. And God is truth. That truth of the word in your life will lead you to a path of righteousness. So number one, number one in clothing yourself for the spiritual battle that I guarantee you you're going to face is putting the word of God around yourself. Amen. Are you in the word? The belt of truth. Secondly, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. As a believer, you carry with you the message and the power of the gospel of peace. <laughs> it is the shoes that you walk in, taking the gospel to all those who will hear it in our world. If you have the truth of the gospel on your mind, in your heart, and on your tongue, it is a weapon in your life against the enemy. I said, if you have the truth of the gospel on your mind, in your heart, and on your tongue, it is a weapon in your life against the enemy. It's the gospel of peace. And it's the opposite of the turmoil that yielding to sin and temptation will bring. It's the opposite. Thirdly, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith. Friends, I haven't preached a good message on faith yet. Might have to do that soon. Faith. Faith to me is another word for confidence. Faith is the con confident, listen, faith is the confident ability to stand and walk through this life knowing that God is in control. He's got this. He's got this. Add faith, synonym confidence, to truth of the word of God, breastplate of righteousness, gospel of peace, and you're one fighting machine. I'm here to say, we're not to be sitting in a defensive position only relative to the spiritual battle. We're to be gospeling, Steve. We are offensive weapons in the, in the army of God. Jesus says, Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then we're given all of these tools, all of these armaments to fight the battle. 
Next, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Where does salvation fit in here? Salvation is the bedrock that you build your confident, victorious faith upon. Salvation is the bedrock that you build your confident faith upon. Satan will try to tell you that you are lost. That you are a failure. Satan will try to tell you that you are discarded trash from God. That he's just tossed you out. Friend, if you are a blood-washed child of the King of Kings, you are not lost. You are not a failure. You are a redeemed son or daughter, and God is for you. He is on your side. Put on the helmet of salvation. And I didn't think about this before, but I'm going to go there now. What's the helmet surround? The helmet surrounds your little head. Or your big head. The helmet of salvation surrounds your head. Your thinking has everything to do with this battle. If you think, if you think in confidence and faith that you are a child of the king, I'll guarantee you will walk in confidence and in faith. We talk so much about the, the, the changing and the morphing and the, and the transition of our thinking. The helmet's put around your little brain. And it's the helmet of salvation and, and, it, and it places it there so that your head might not be injured. Your basis of salvation can be kept in your mind and be, a, and be a boost to your confidence and your faith. You are a saved child of God. Amen? Huh? Amen? I hope you are. He's on your side. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can fight the spiritual battle. I want to say. That is not an armor that is put on us to fight against people. You are not put here to fight against people. You are not equipped by God to fight against people. You are equipped by God to fight against the enemy, the spiritual battle in the heavenly environs so that you can walk in love relative to people. I hear Christians sometimes rail against certain people in our society or in leadership or in politics. <laughs> Fight the spiritual battle. 
Fight the spiritual battle. God's going to sort all of them out. <laughs> huh? Rather than put your tongue to criticizing a person, put your tongue to, I have victory against the enemy of my soul. Proclaim the goodness of God, the power of God, the sovereignty of God. That's what you should put your tongue to and your thoughts to. Again, I said earlier, and lead us, into, into te- lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one is a single thought here, I believe. I don't believe that we can separate lead us not from deliver us. Jesus is teaching us to seek the strength of the Father to be able to resist the temptation, the trials, the tests that the enemy of our soul puts out there, directing schemes against us. And through him, we can be victorious. Amen and hallelujah. Through him, we can be victorious. I love that this prayer ends with a victory chant. That victory chant is we are victorious over the enemy through the strength that God gives us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. We're walking in victory. We're walking in power. We're walking in holiness. We're walking. We're, we're out there gospeling. Okay? You all right? Let me say a word here about the concluding phrase that is added to the Lord's Prayer text as it is normally prayed. The careful reader of the Lord's Prayer passage will notice that the ending is different in different translations, inviting the question as to whether for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever should be included in the Lord's Prayer. In the NIV, it is not in the Matthew text. We've not read it these last weeks. The King James Version contains that ending, while the English Standard Version, the NIV, and others do not. The New American Standard Bible includes the statement in brackets with an editorial note that the oldest manuscript does not include these words. And indeed, it appears that if you study the earliest of the original Greek manuscripts, the earliest of them do not seem to include the last phrase or what is called the benediction. I just want to be a good Bible student here. I just want to tell you. Later manuscripts in translation appear to include this benediction. And it's hard for us to go back and really examine how that all took place. I don't know if you've studied the canonization of Scripture. If you've uh, dug into how did we end up with the Bible that we have, that's not, a, that's not a bad study sometime. I will tell you this, I believe that the Holy Spirit led it and guided it so that, so that where we landed as to the scriptures are good. We're good. We're, it's viable. It's legitimate. It's God's word. It's God's word. And so, frankly, for me, it's okay either way. 
Here's why. It's okay either way. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. These words of this benediction or the ending are not out of character or out of the context of how Jesus would want us to pray, first of all. Seems to me that if you start with praise, it's okay to end with praise. This is your pastor talking. Okay? It seems to me that if we started out with praise, hallowed be thy name, I think it's okay to end with praise. In fact, I might suggest to you that you start your prayer time with praise and that you end your prayer time with praise. I think that's all right. In fact, I think there's some power there. And I don't want to give away what I'm going to preach about in coming weeks, but there's power in praise. There's power in thanksgiving. There's, there's wonderful spiritual power as you enter into the experience of worship. For thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. Amen. That's all right. That's an okay way to end. I'm, I'm good with it. These are words of worship. These are words of, of, of exaltation before our God. And they are appropriate to end your prayer time. Jesus said, this is how, say how. This is how you should pray. And in wrapping up, let's go back for a second and just review. Carly, a good teacher reviews, right, at the end? Is that, that, that a good thing? Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, our source. We acknowledge, we start out we start out addressing him as our heavenly father because you're not praying to your earthly father. <laughs> we start out addressing our heavenly father. And then we esteem him as the holy God that he is. Hallowed be your name. And then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's about alignment, remember? That is about alignment. We've, we've addressed our Father, we've proclaimed Him as, as, our, as our heavenly, holy, awesome God, and now we say, I'm going to align myself with your will. Your will be done, your kingdom come on earth and, and by association in my life, as it is in heaven, as it is in heaven, and we talked about that. Then, once we are aligned, and can Pastor Scott pronounce it today? We are positioned to petition. Yes. We are positioned 
to petition. We've positioned ourselves according to His will. We've proclaimed Him as the Heavenly Father, and now we are positioned to come before Him with our needs. Give us this day. Say this day. This day teaches us that His mercies and His provision are new every morning, and we should approach Him daily for what we need for that day. I hope you do that. I trust you do that. Remember how we looked at the manna in the wilderness? <laughs> and Moses said to the people, only collect what you need for today. And I say to you, you only need to ask him for what you need for today. The Bible says tomorrow will take care of itself. You only need to ask for what you need for today. Give us this day and then our daily bread. Yep. We can seek the Lord for what we need and provision for this day. And then we go before Him asking for forgiveness for our sins. We talked about the characteristic of the lifestyle of the believer is a characteristic of forgiveness and humility and repentance before our holy God. That is a healthy characteristic of the believer. As we have forgiven others. As you are forgiven by God, you forgive others. You walk a lifestyle of forgiveness. How many destroyed relationships have you seen in your life because of unforgiveness, because someone can't forgive? A lifestyle of forgiveness is seeking God for forgiveness of your failures, of your sins, of when you've yielded to what we've talked about this morning. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is the great washing machine. <laughs> Don't you love it? Don't you love it when you open a dishwasher? Assuming that your dishwasher works well. And those, and those glasses and that silverware come out and they, they feel that squeaky, that squeaky clean, you know, you know, you know. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, say all, from, say all again. You're not convinced. From all unrighteousness. And then he says... And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want you to take that as a single sentence. A single sentence saying, God, as, as, as much as you can, strengthen me to resist the plans of the evil one. Strengthen me to resist 
For thine is the kingdom, and power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Start your prayer time with praise and end your prayer time with praise is your pastor's suggestion this morning. Whether that phrase was added early or late in the development of what we ended up as in the scriptures, I think it's pretty good stuff. Amen. Father, our Father in heaven, we address you this morning as a group. Holy is your name. You are awesome and you are amazing and you are set apart from any other. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in each of our lives. May we align ourselves, Father, with who you are and what you desire for our lives. May your kingdom come on this earth, Father, as it is in heaven. Lord, we seek you for this day, for the things that we need. We seek you this day for the needs of those that we love. We seek you this day for the needs of those that we find out about, that we hear about. We seek your forgiveness, Father. Father God, we have fallen short of your standards. And we desire and we seek your forgiveness to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Help us, Father, to forgive those who have harmed us. We've had stubborn attitudes toward forgiving someone else. Break us so that we might forgive. Give us hearts of compassion for not only our friends, for not only our family members, but for those who have done us harm. We pray. We seek you. For the power to do that. Father, we need your strength and your protection for us to be successful and victorious over the plan of the enemy. For Satan is a liar. And he wants us to fail morally. I pray, Lord, for moral strength for all of us. For me. For my family. For us as a church. For your families. I pray for moral strength, Father, that we may resist what comes against us in this lost an evil society.
clothe us with the weapons to fight the enemy. We beg you, we pray, O oh Lord. <laughs> For yours is the kingdom. For yours is the power. For yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen.